0: Well, good morning, welcome to Apostles Houston. My name is David Cumming, I'm the lead pastor. And just wanna say thank you so much for joining us as we worship online today. Uh, Before we get started, I did wanna encourage you just to stay tuned at the end of the service. I'll be sharing some important updates about our uh, plans for regathering. Well, a few weeks into the COVID-19 pandemic, John Krasinski from The Office and Jack Ryan, he launched this online weekly TV show called Some Good News, SGN. Maybe you've seen it, but it was his attempt. Uh, to really just lift all our spirits with some kind of fun and funny and heartwarming news from around the world. Uh, one of the things he did was he got the Hamilton cast on a Zoom call and they, they sang one of the numbers for this young girl who had her New York City trip canceled by the virus. He, he got the ICU unit from Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital in Boston and, and gave him a VIP tour of Fenway Park. There was a young girl who had cancer and she finally got to leave isolation and come home and he interviewed her just about her experience as she drove down her street and she saw all her friends and neighbor and family cheering for her and holding up signs, just expressing their love for her. And Langley and I just loved it because it was a reminder that, you know, crisis can bring out some of the best in, in people. But over the past few weeks, I think it's become painfully clear that crisis can also bring out some of the worst. You know, people have strong opinions and strongly disagree with one another about the nature of the virus and, and about what an appropriate response to the virus looks like. Conspiracy theories have just come out of everywhere. Um, a few weeks ago in my own neighborhood, I witnessed two neighbors, one with a mask and one without a mask, screaming at each other at the top of their lungs about what was safe and whether or not they should be wearing masks. And so I've just looked at this and I know you've seen this too. And I know God's doing good things in the midst of this, but but this crisis has brought about division and conflict in our nation, in our neighborhood, uh, in our family, and even in the church. And so it's just a reminder that crisis can bring out our best, but it can also bring out the worst. It can reveal uh, the brokenness that's deep within us and the divisions that exist between us. It's one of the reasons I'm so thankful that we're going through this series on prayer, uh, made to pray, looking at Jesus teaching in the Lord's prayer. And especially grateful because this week we encounter this powerful and challenging line in Jesus' prayer that I think we desperately need right now because the world needs us, uh, the church, to be a place of peace, a place of patience, a place of of unity. And that's what Jesus Prayer here encourages us to do, to recognize that we have a unity that that only Jesus can provide by his Holy Spirit through prayer. And so let's look again at Jesus teaching in Luke 11. It says, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Jesus says, pray to your father. Who wouldn't wanna pray to a good and loving father? Jesus says, your kingdom come. Who wouldn't wanna pray uh, for heaven to come on earth? Jesus, he says, pray for your daily bread. Who wouldn't wanna ask God to give the good things he longs to give us? But then Jesus says, pray these words, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Jesus puts his finger right on the pressure point of our lives. He highlights our need for forgiveness and he commands us to forgive others. If I'm honest, this is my least favorite part of the Lord's prayer. I wish we could just leave it out, but Jesus, he's not pulling any punches here. And he's not because he, he loves us. He, he wants us to experience the power of forgiveness in our lives. But first we have to admit that we need it. We have to pray, forgive us our sins. And that first step, it, it's not easy. We have to actually admit that we are wrong. Our instinct is, is actually to, to blame someone else or something else. Um, it's uh, not my fault, it's my parents' fault. It's my spouse's fault. It's our culture, the other party, the other color, the church, the pastor. There's all kinds of ways that we try to see what's wrong in others instead of dealing with wrong in us. And it's been this way for a long time. Genesis 3 tells us that when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they hid from the Lord among the trees. Jesus in the New Testament, he he warns us not to become like the religious person who prays, God, thank you so much. I'm not as bad as other people. And so we choose to take up. Uh, ways of hiding and ways of denying and deflecting when it comes to what's wrong with us. But the apostle Paul says in Romans 2, one, we have no excuse. We who pass judgment on someone else for whatever point we judge another, we are condemning ourselves because we who pass judgment have done the same things. Jesus therefore says, pray first, forgive us our sins. We're all on the hook. In Matthew's gospel, uh, the Lord's Prayer is translated slightly differently. It says, forgive us our debts. That's because the word that Matthew uses here, the Greek word, ophelima, is a business term. And it actually means something is owed, something is due. Um, it's the idea that we have an obligation to give or to pay something, which means that our, our sin, uh, what we do wrong actually can accumulate in our life kind of like debt. It's that debt that accumulates in our life that actually causes breakdown in our relationships. Maybe think about a friend or a spouse, someone you've recently had a, an argument with. And in the midst of that argument, at some point in that disagreement, that conflict, there's, there's the feeling that something's come between you. And the same dynamic can take place in our relationship with God. Our sin actually can create this, this barrier, a wall between us and God. It can break down our relationship with God. And Jesus says there's actually a way to knock down that wall, to to erase that debt. The Greek word used um, for forgive here actually means to, to wipe the slate clean. In other words, we have a father who loves us and wants to restore that relationship that's been broken, to remove the barrier, to erase that debt. And he's made that possible by sending his own son, Jesus, to bring forgiveness and to heal us and to reconcile us to God. In Jesus, God took on himself our debt, all that we've done to break the relationship. And on the cross, Jesus took our place and he paid that debt. He died instead of me and instead of you. On the cross, Jesus says to all of us, you are Forgiven. Some of us have never heard those words before, and some of us have never been able to receive those words before. But when we admit that we're wrong, when we admit our sin, the Father quickly says, You are forgiven. One of my favorite stories that Jesus ever told is the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of a young son who basically steals his father's inheritance and then blows it all and finds himself destitute, so low that he's living among pigs and eating their food. And so he decides to go home. And and on the way, he begins rehearsing his apology to the father. But before he could even get all the words out, His father sees him coming, runs to him, and embraces him. Even in all his filth, he welcomes him home. The father wasn't looking for a great apology. The father was looking for the son to come back home. The truth is, we've all done things that we're ashamed of. We've all said things we wish we hadn't. We've all hurt people in our lives. But the cross of Jesus says there's nothing you've done and nothing you could ever do that would keep your heavenly father from welcoming you home. You are forgiven, Jesus says. God never runs out of grace. He never stops welcoming his children home. Maybe today you feel like a prodigal child. You feel so far from God. You don't even know where to begin. Jesus says the first step is this simple prayer. Forgive me. Sometimes that is the hardest step, but it can open the floodgates of God's love and mercy in your life. 1 John 1, 19 makes this incredible promise. It says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are forgiven. That's God's promise. And How to Pray, Pete Gregg tells the story of Chuck Colson, who was convicted and imprisoned for his role in the Watergate scandal. At one point, um, Colson is confronted by a friend who challenges him about his own arrogance and, and his fault. Later that night, alone in his car, Coulson breaks down. And this is how he describes that moment. He says, with my face cupped in my hands, my head leaning against the wheel, I forgot about the machismo, about the pretenses, about the fears of being seen as weak. And as I did, I began to experience a wonderful feeling of being released. And then came the strange and wonderful sensation that water was not only down my cheeks, but surging through my whole body as well, cleansing and cooling as it went. They weren't tears of sadness and remorse, not of joy, but somehow tears of relief. Then I prayed my first real prayer. Colson encountered the father. He heard the words of Jesus, you are forgiven. So the question is, how do we experience this life of forgiveness? How does this truth become a part of the way we function in the world? Or to ask it another way, how do we take up uh, this practice that the Bible calls repentance? Uh, To repent. In in a way, it simply means to come home to God, like the prodigal son. It's that moment in our life when we realize that we're lost and that we're in need of the Father's loving embrace but it's also a, a practice. It's something that we, we take up and experience over and over and over again. That's because even though we've come home to God, we still are prone to kind of falling into old ways of life, the way of life we had before we came to him. Sinful habits of our mind and our body. As the, the hymn says, we're prone to wander, prone to leave the God that we love. But Jesus teaches us to pray not just once, Uh, For forgiveness, but to come to him every time we pray, to come to him in humility, like this tax collector he describes in Luke 18, who said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is the heart Jesus wants to form in us. And it comes through this practice of repentance, not of condemning ourselves, but of confessing our need for and receiving God's forgiveness. It's why each Sunday we we pray these words together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you. Have mercy on us and forgive us. It's like taking a bath. It's like letting the spirit of God wash off all the dirt that, that builds up in our lives. It's the prayer of Psalm. 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. The truth is we all need a weekly bath. I found I need a bath every day. We need this practice of repentance to cleanse us because I found at least in my own life that without this regular practice of repentance. I can actually get used to my own stink, right? I I can become complacent. I can become apathetic about the things that come between God and me, that my unconfessed sin can kind of erode my prayer life and my faith. My heart becomes hardened and so does my hearing. I, I, I miss him. Sometimes I think we wonder, why don't we see God? Why don't we hear from God? And maybe, Maybe it's because we haven't taken up this practice of coming to him on a regular basis and just confessing our sin before him to deal with that barrier that's kind of risen up between us. And God, he, he wants to break down that barrier to free us and to cleanse us from our sin so we can walk in peace and joy and the fullness of the power of his Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says, you're forgiven. Now live into that, take up this practice of repentance. And when Jesus teaches us to pray here, he says, forgive us our sins. But then he goes on and says, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Up to now, we've really focused on kind of the vertical aspect of Jesus' prayer, our need for for God's forgiveness. But Jesus now wants to connect that vertical reality with a horizontal one. He calls us to forgive others. And to do that, I think we have to to understand this vertical miracle in our own life that we have been forgiven. And that's for this simple reason. If we don't, if we don't begin with the vertical, I think we're gonna give up on the horizontal. We'll give up on forgiving each other. That's because forgiving each other is really difficult. It's really hard unless we have hearts that have been softened by God's mercy to us. In part, it's hard because when we get hurt, um, we get angry. Some of us lash out, some of us bury it until it kind of leaks out as resentment. And I think it's important to note, anger isn't wrong. Anger is trying to tell us something is wrong, something within us. It's important to understand why we feel angry and and then to begin to process that and even talk about that with the person who's hurt us when we can. And and when we've hurt someone, we need to resist that temptation to to defend ourselves, to deny, but be patient and be gracious to listen and try to understand why it's hurt them. If someone has hurt us deeply, I know I've felt this in my own life, it, it may feel like I can't forgive them. But I think it's really important to realize that forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. And if we can't forgive, we need to ask ourselves, why are we choosing not to forgive? Perhaps we're motivated by self-pity or perhaps we just want justice. We want, we retaliate first and feel like things are more fair. But in Ephesians 4, Paul says, we're to get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger. We're to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive one another just as Christ forgave us. To forgive is a choice. Choosing to forgive doesn't mean that we pretend the hurt doesn't matter anymore, that we just forget about it. Sometimes we think if we just love someone enough, if there's enough love in the relationship, the hurt will go away. That's actually a form of denial. It's not dealing with the actual hurt that we feel. When we choose to forgive, what we're doing is we're, we're honestly facing the wrong done to us and we're dealing with the emotions that we feel. And we have to do that in order to let go of those things, to no longer hold those things against the other person. We actually choose to trust God to be God in their life. We choose to love them and not to harbor anger or bitterness or hatred towards them. In my own experience with forgiveness, I feel like most of the time it's a process. For me at least, it it often takes several attempts to forgive. It may mean forgiving someone more than once, Healing, after all, takes time. But forgiveness is where that healing begins because it eliminates that barrier between us. It eliminates what's keeping us from one another and what's keeping us from the Lord. And so sometimes I even begin praying, God, I, I, I want to forgive. I'm willing to forgive. But would you help me to actually take that step? This practice of, of forgiving one another that God's asked of us, it's not easy but it works. Personally, I I feel challenged by Jesus' words to pray for the people who've hurt me in my life. And as I pray, I I think about the fact that Jesus on the cross, in his own body, he took on the hostility that I feel towards another person. He took on the walls that divide us and he broke that power of hostility between us. And so I pray for those places in my life where there is that hostility, there is that conflict. And I wanna ask you, what what would it look like for you to take up prayer for those people who have hurt you, to pray for them by name? What would God do in you and and through you if you prayed for God to bless them and their lives? If you prayed for God to fill them inside and out, if you prayed for their health and for their happiness? We all have people in our lives that that we need to forgive. And maybe it's a parent for you. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a spouse or a coworker. But whoever it is, however long you've carried it, Jesus wants to free you from whatever you're carrying. He wants to free you from the resentment and from the pain. And maybe you don't know where to start. But again, maybe you could pray. Maybe you could pray, God, even though I don't want to, I know that you love me and that you forgive me. Would you help me to love this person in that way? because the truth is we have been forgiven so, so much by our heavenly father. And he wants us to experience the fullness of that forgiveness and he wants others to experience the freedom of that forgiveness. And so I just wanna ask you this week, who do you need to forgive? And ask the Lord to help you. Pray these words from the Lord's prayer. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone sins against us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you forgive us. Help us forgive to share the mercy that we have received. Would you bring reconciliation into our lives, unity in your church, and peace in our world? Amen.